1: thompson and you're listening to something to wrestle with with bruce pritchard uh bruce i'm excited to be back man we got a lot of great feedback after our montreal episode last week
0: you know what i'm so excited uh, I, I get humbled as i've said before how many people are listening to the show i love the feedback positive and negative and uh, i hope that we're pleasing our audience out there
1: and now it's time for the main event here on something to wrestle with with bruce pritchard this is what you really tuned in for it's our segment we like to call what happened when and this week we're going to go back to 1998 and we're going to talk the WWF in the summer of 98. Bruce, what happened when you guys booked the brawl for all? I've always been kind of confused by this and I can't wait to get the real scoop. If you're not familiar with the concept of what brawl for all was supposed to be, tell everybody what that was, Bruce.
0: God, the absolute worst idea in the history (laughs) of the business is exactly what the hell it was.
1: Do you really think it's the very worst?
0: It's up there. Yeah, it's up there. As far as, especially coming from a creative point of view, I thought it was uh, horrible. I thought it was horrible then. I thought it was horrible when it took place. And hindsight being 2020, it's even more god-awful than I even imagined. Well, okay.
1: Well, uh, I'm going to point fingers in this one. You know, I'm looking forward to this because I, this is something that you have kind of been fired up uh, in conversations with me about, uh, but you never really did get into great detail. So we're really going to talk about this maybe in more detail than anybody has ever done before. Was that fair to say that we're going to do that today on what happened when?
0: Well, you're definitely going to get my point of view and my opinion on it. Uh, it was it was a debacle, man. It was it was. Uh, In my opinion, a very ill-conceived concept, a very ill-conceived idea, and the end result was disastrous in many, many ways for the company.
1: Well, let's, um, you know, one of the things that I know you love and hate about the show, uh, you hate the rumors and innuendo, but man, you love shooting them down. So do you want to kind of uh, tell everybody how this came about, or can I go ahead and fire some theories off, and then you set the record straight?
0: Well, you know, the, the interesting thing is somebody did an article on the Brawl for All recently and talked to several different people, some of who, whom were involved, some that were not. And in the article, and and I guess over time, the creator and the person whose idea it was for the brawl for all, Vince Russo, had made a comment that he came up with the brawl for all as a way to shut John Layfield up, JBL up, because Layfield allegedly had made a comment, I say allegedly, trust me, John probably made the comment, if this were a real bar fight, hell I'd be the only one standing, and Russo came up with this idea, do you believe that? Do I believe what?
1: That JBL thought he was the baddest dude on the lot? I would hope so. Good. Okay. Just wanted to make sure you weren't backing up on that because I think most of the guys on some level think they're... That's my point. Yeah.
0: I I think every single guy that entered the Brawl for All felt they were the baddest dude. And I think that a lot of us that had friends that were a part of it felt that each, you know, there were a lot of tough guys. Everybody that entered it was a tough guy but when you add rules to a to a fight all of a sudden that's that's a whole different situation and the guys weren't boxers they weren't necessarily amateur wrestlers some had boxing backgrounds some had amateur wrestling backgrounds some had no backgrounds at all other than being professional wrestlers and you know being reputed tough guys
1: so uh to set the record straight here Um, Layfield and Cornette both say this was a Russo idea. Officially. Russo says it was a Russo idea. What does Bruce Pritchard say? It was a Russo idea. Okay. Is that why you hate it so much automatically?
0: Well, it's not that I hate it because it was Russo's idea. Russo had some good ideas too, but this, this has to top the list of one of the all time worst ideas in the sports entertainment enterprise ever.
1: But you don't believe that it's the, that level of a bad idea because it was Russo's idea.
0: I, I, I don't care whose idea it was. Anybody that, that would have come up with that idea to, to shut up a loudmouth in the locker room that would put that many talent at risk of serious injury for for what?
1: Well, okay, so let's, let's talk through this. Um, this seems like a long time ago now. Uh, but around this time, especially on cable television, there was an influx of Tough Man Contest programming. Uh, FX at the time was running these and doing pretty well with them in the cable ratings. Uh, and so through a lot of, the, through a lot of that television, uh, they started popping up all over the country. I remember this being a pretty common thing uh, that seemingly has gone away a little bit now with the popularity of the UFC. Uh, guys who may have once upon a time participated in Tough Man Contests. Then decided hey you know what maybe i need to learn jiu-jitsu if i'm going to really get in here and do some of this um but i'm curious you know this is a time when you guys are trying to be very competitive with wcw you're looking for ratings you're um you're willing to take chances in 1998 the wwf is doing stuff they've never done before they would go on to do great things that i'm sure we'll cover later giving birth to a hand katie vick lots of stuff that wouldn't have existed Not too many years prior to that. But when you're sitting around the room, I assume there's some sort of a booking room or there's some sort of a writer's room or whatever you guys called it. Number one, what did you call that room? Number two, who was in it? And number three, what was the reaction from everybody when the topic was broached?
0: Well, first of all, at that time, I guess you would call it the uh, dining room (laughs) in Vince's house. Okay. Um, is where a lot of the creative took place. And, and at this time, I was focusing a lot more on talent relations and the developmental process and wasn't as involved in creative. I, I was in an arm's length and wasn't there on a daily basis. So as far as, you know, my involvement in that at the time, it was from a talent relations standpoint, and it was um, – it was initially brought to me by Vince Russo, and I told him when he first brought me the idea that I thought it was one of the stupidest, worst ideas that I'd ever heard, and I explained to him all the reasons why I thought it was a bad idea. That in the middle of an entertainment program where everything is scripted, you want to have a legit shoot fight in the middle of it. So explain to me how you're going to tell everybody, okay, all this other stuff that we're doing with the big stars, the guys that we're telling you are badasses and, and really, you know, tough guys and all this, that's all bullshit. But this stuff right here for these these matches, this is real. I don't know how you do that in the context of a entertainment television
1: Well, let me where everything this. is scripted. In, in fairness, at the time... You guys, quote-unquote, shooting on each other in interviews was growing in popularity, and some of the lines were blurring between storyline and reality. So I understand introducing the physical aspect of this does change it, but I'm just saying hypothetically. There's a, a, there's
0: a difference. Those shooting comments you talk about were scripted.
1: All of them, so all the time. So blurred the
0: lines by scripting the lines to be blurred. We didn't go out there and just say, Hey, here's a microphone. Say whatever you want to.
1: But this is also an era where you guys are hitting each other as hard as humanly possible over the head with chairs. Can we just agree? It was a different time. We're not time? hitting
0: each other over the head as hard as humanly possible with chairs. they are, they're controlled hits and no, they're not as hard as you possibly can. Okay. They look that way because they're, because it's entertainment and they're good at what they do.
1: I, I'm just going to move on out of that part. Let's go to something else. Uh, So when Vince Russo brings this to you, you guys don't actually do this until the end of June. Uh, That's when the first round of matches happen, and we're going to cover those. But when would this idea first have been brought to you? I know it was 20 years ago, just freestyle. Did y'all talk about this in April or May, or does it not come up until June and then, hell, we're doing it next week type
0: deal? You know what? Essentially, it pretty much came up, and we were doing it within a couple weeks.
1: Okay, so when, when it comes up, I assume at some point around a dining room table around the pool, wherever you guys are, there's a conversation for who the participants are going to be. How does that well, come about the
0: I, I tell you Russo came to me and pitched me the idea and gave me a list of everyone that they wanted to be in it and the idea behind it was that I had to then get on the phone and and pitch this idea to the talent that were being requested to be a part of this deal. Do you want to go in and do you want to have a quote, shoot fight, a real fight and explain the rules to them with your other competitors? The winner gets more money and moves on in the tournament with the opportunity for more money. The loser gets X amount and you're eliminated from the tournament. So again, I made my feelings known, uh, and as I can do sometimes, um, I made them very colorfully and very loudly known and, you know, got back and I got the uh, phone call about how negative I was (laughs) and the fact that I was poo pooing and and shitting on uh, someone's idea. And I wasn't necessarily just poo pooing the idea because of who it was. I I didn't, as I said, Vince Russo had some great ideas and was creative guy, but this particular idea I did feel was horrible. I was paid for my opinion and to give my honest opinion and not just say, oh, yeah, no, that's a great idea. I think it's wonderful to put our working talent that are entertainers into a real-life situation where they can get hurt, and our tough guys end up that we portray on TV as tough guys storyline-wise may end up to be portrayed as not all that tough. So I was tasked with the job of, of having to sell this to the talent. So I put my salesman hat on and once I was given my marching orders, by God, I'm going to be positive about it and I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, sell that, uh, ice cream to the Eskimos.
1: So let me ask this, uh, and there's no real polite way for me to ask this without seeming like a real asshole. So I apologize in advance. But when you look at the guys who actually competed in this with the exception of eventually bradshaw and a few years prior hawk all of these guys are for the most part underneath guys now i don't mean that in a derogatory way i have great respect for everyone in professional wrestling it takes a full card to make an entertaining night etc etc i don't mean that ugly i am just trying to say that You guys weren't trying to put The Rock and Stone Cold and The Undertaker in this. You guys were looking to try to make you guys,
0: okay, that wasn't me. I don't want to hear that. that You just said you were picking the guys. And that was direction that was given, and it was an opportunity. It was kind of looked at as a vehicle to take some of those guys, and that's fair. That's a fair assessment, what you just said. So it was an opportunity to take those guys that were not at the top of the card and— elevate them and give them an opportunity to shine in a a different
1: light so here's my question and this is the ugly part if you know they're underneath guys and you know they're not top guys then if one of them gets blasted and gets you know to made like not such a tough guy on television and therefore diminishes value how does it really hurt the company
0: well because you got a man down you got you got guys down that were seriously then you cut him You got Dr. Death Steve Williams, who was a top guy that was coming in to the company that we were hoping would be a top guy that we could draw some money with.
1: So let's talk about that. You brought him up, and I'm really excited to talk about this because lots of rumors and innuendo, as you say here. What's the real story on how Dr. Death came into the company? I remember uh, in 1998 being at – I'm from Huntsville, Alabama, of course, for everyone listening. Not that you need to know that. It just makes sense for this story. Uh, raw was from Jersey (laughs) raw. Yeah. Can you tell from my accent, bro? (laughs) Uh, So raw's in Birmingham and, uh, just standing in the middle of the crowd is Dr. Death. Steve Williams, just wearing a t-shirt. No one bothering him at all. I don't think anybody recognized that's who it was. I went over, introduced myself. He hadn't yet made his debut. So that told me, Hey, he's hanging around. He's going to be coming in. Was this the vehicle uh, that you guys used to sign him? Uh, was it a way for someone to slide him a slightly better deal? Uh, how was the, how was he presented as being someone who should participate in the tournament if we are at the same time putting guys like 8-Ball and Scorpio and Bob Holly and Savio Vega, again, not disparaging, just saying if he was to be positioned as a top guy, there's lots of rumors and innuendo that he's supposed to walk through the competition and then be programmed against Stone Cold Steve Austin for a big payoff at a fight kind of clear up how he comes into the tournament and what all that looked like
0: first of all doc was already under contract okay so we had already signed dr death to a contract and no this was not a part of the deal to bring doc in and or to be a part of so we had doc under contract it was a way for um russo i think looked at it as a way to introduce doc because dr death had been touted as and i don't mean to speak ill of the dead you know as the toughest guy walking the earth and steve dr death williams in his day was one of the toughest men walking the face of the earth and that's when doc was young and in shape and doc doc was a badass legit
1: and and you were with him in texas tell everybody about that because you guys were together for a little while in uwf
0: just uh you know i mean i consider steve williams he's a good friend of mine, and a wonderful, wonderful human being. But you talk about a legit badass athlete, played football, wrestled in college at the University of Oklahoma, and there wasn't much athletically that he couldn't do. But Doc had been out of that competitive game for quite some time now that he's coming into the WWF at the time. And, you know, Doc coming into this, was pretty much an odds on favorite to win the damn thing. So I think Russo was looking at it as a way to introduce Steve Dr. Death Williams. I know JR was looking at it that it was, there was no one else, I think, honestly, that Jim really even considered, you know, that could win the thing if Doc were in it. And Jim was a big proponent of Dr. Death Steve Williams. And you look at the competition, to your point, of the guys that did agree to do it. And again, back to your point of the talent that was asked, those are the guys that agreed to do it.
1: So, and let, let, let me know, ask we, you this. You, you mentioned it and I want to get on it before we get too far down the road. Jim Ross has a great uh, relationship that everybody who listens to this probably already knows about with Dr. Death, Steve Williams. And you uh, at times can do phenomenal impressions. I want you to, if you can, can you be a little over the top? We're not saying this actually happened. We're just saying, you know, let's be a little over the top and let's have fun with good old JR talking to you guys about how he feels Dr. Death will do in this tournament.
0: Well, ain't nobody else. Doc's a man. If you want, if you, you want somebody to win this thing, walk through a wall, that's Dr. Death, Steve Williams. See that wall right there? He'll walk through it. He'll beat, he'll beat everybody in that tournament. They know that they ain't they no discussing it. But Jim, you know, a passionate Thank guy. You. I love Jim Ross to death. But, again, it's nobody really knew. We didn't know what the hell we had. And going into it, again, it's like if, if wrestling, you know, if wrestling <laughs> were real, so to speak, um, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, there's a lot of us that never would have been able to get into the game, okay? Um, I ain't no tough guy, so it's like you know, it, it just wouldn't have happened. So you you have different people. You know, we asked Shamrock to be in it, and, and Ken had no interest in being in it because right, Ken Shamrock you move wanted to. This he is gets what,
1: I got to talk about it. I need to talk about it. You guys have. I'm so glad you mentioned that because I wasn't sure if you wanted to get into it. Dan Severin and Ken Shamrock, two UFC Hall of Famers, two innovators right. of MMA, two legit badasses. Uh, Shamrock's not in it at all. He pulls out uh, or doesn't have no ever desire agree.
0: to be in it at all.
1: Well, and 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 why would he if he's already been branded as ABC? I agree with him. Yeah,
0: I'm so, not. I'm not disparaging anybody that didn't want to be in it.
1: I think Dan Severin is one of the nicest human beings that have ever lived. How, oh God, yes. However, he. Um, you know, if he, he has the personality of a UPS truck. Okay. And I can't imagine a situation where Vince McMahon is okay with the result that winds up Dan Severin versus Stone Cold Steve Austin at a pay-per-view. Well,
0: okay. See, again, you're going on rumor and innuendo that, that the winner of this was going to be catapulted into a program with Stone Cold Steve Austin. What that was, was never the case.
1: What was the goal then? If the goal was not to level the guy up, what was the goal?
0: Well, the guy, to level the guy up, but again, you know, that takes stages and you see what you've got. Okay. But uh, I mean, that was never, okay, the winner of this goes on to Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was never set in stone. That was never the.
1: So the plan was was to not really make a guy with this. Let's just see if we can't hurt them all, but not quite get them to Austin's level.
0: Well, no, that's what happened, but I (laughs) I would hope, I would definitely hope that that wasn't the plan. You know, it's, it wasn't a good plan. Let me put it that way. So, and having to convince these guys to, to come in and do it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. But also, at the same time, I played to their egos. Sure. And just said, hey, man, you know, here's an opportunity. By God, you know, say so you're the baddest son of a bitch out there. And the guy's like, okay, well, yeah, I'll do that. And ain't got boxing gloves on. Takedowns are legal. It again uh it just wasn't well thought out we we were still thinking up rules and stuff uh before we even had the first fight
1: so let's talk through um you know kind of what happened in the tournament let's go to round one We've okay got... well
0: let, let's go to let's go to again another thing because you, you you know people have talked about they've had the dr death theory that this was skewed to dr death put him in there with a one-eyed guy and uh carl will No, it wasn't. It was 100% because it had to be. We were talking real money, and we were putting the guys in a situation where guys could get hurt, and unfortunately, a lot of them did. What we did, and we did it in my office, had Savio Vega, who was one of the participants, and... Put all the names in a brown paper bag. Kind of like, you know, like the box of gimmicks (laughs) that we have where we would reach in there and pull a gimmick out and go, okay, you're going to be the chicken guy with the red, yeah, top, yeah. We had a brown paper bag. I wrote everyone's name down on a piece of paper, threw it in the bag, and Savio drew the names. And each name, the first name drawn was the first name on the bracket and so on and so forth. 100% legitimate and you know you can ask Fabio Vega how we did that and he was a participant and if anybody had a problem with it they could go and and talk to him so that's how the brackets were made so they weren't matched up in any way shape or form it was 100% random
1: well uh that's kind of not what I expected to hear so uh that's kind of cool so let's run through some of the combatants. Uh, Steve Blackman, who has been regarded as being a pretty legit badass. Uh, do you he have is. any uh, Blackman antidotes or stories? There may not be many opportunities for us to talk about Mr. Blackman on a future episode. So fire down. Do you have any anything interesting you can offer about him?
0: Steve Blackman was and is a legit tough guy. Um, Steve is so damn fast. I don't think Steve even realizes how fast he is. I think one of the funniest stories I ever heard was Blackman, Steve Blackman and John Layfield got into a fight in baggage claim one day. And I get them both together and I'm like, John, what happened? He says, Mr. Pritchard, hell, I'd been hit eight times before I realized I was in a damn fight. <laughs> And, and Layfield uh had just been been razzing and uh and ribbing Steve Blackman relentlessly to the point that Blackman just snapped. And as Bradshaw says, he was hit eight times before he realized he was in a fight. So
1: And in this he is taking on Mark Miro, who had a legitimate amateur boxing background. Catch everybody up to speed on what that looked like.
0: well, um, <laughs> it was kind of one-sided. Blackman just beat the hell out of him, and and by that, Blackman just kept taking Mark down, and there wasn't really anything that Mark could do with him. But Blackman, Blackman's hands were fast, and uh, Merrill, you know, Mero was a former boxer, but he was no match for for Steve Blackman in the takedown department, and
1: he won. And uh, it's it's worth mentioning, Mero won. Uh, a lot of titles in boxing in New York. So he came in. He was a Golden Gloves champ. He came in with a pedigree. Um, Yes. Bradshaw, on the same night, takes on Mark Canterbury, uh, who many people remember as Henry O. Godwin, uh, a man and a half. I just saw him recently in Charlotte for the NWA Legends Fan Fest, uh, and that dude is still a monster. Uh,
0: Yeah, he is.
1: Catch everybody up on, I don't know when we'll talk about him again, Mr. Henry O. Godwin.
0: Well, one of the, as you said, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. A big, just, he's a big old country boy. He's like a, he's almost like, you ever seen one of those giant brick mailboxes? Yes. Well, that's what Mark Canterbury was like. You couldn't move him unless you hit him with a truck or something like that. Sure. And he just was a mountain of a man. And um
1: Did he have, as far as you know, any sort of... I know he played football, but did he have any sort of fighting uh, background at all? Legitimate? Not that,
0: no, okay. not that I can remember. He just was a big, tough, rugged guy.
1: You can tell when you meet him, uh, the dude played ball.
0: Oh, yeah, and he's got hands the size of, like, they're just... He's huge. Uh, he's Big gorilla paws.
1: He's larger than Brock Lesnar, which some people listening will argue. Uh, I've seen them both recently. He's a large man. Yes. Um, this is a fun name that we may never see on the show again. Brackus, uh is oh here. Oh, God. Uh, I, let, let's take a little detour for a minute and catch everybody up about what the plan for this guy was. Uh, I remember he actually showed up briefly even in ECW. If memory serves, he was a bodybuilder, uh, but then made his way around WWF and USWA down in Memphis and ECW. but. What do you remember about Brachus?
0: Bracchus, his name was Ockham Albrecht, and he was a German bodybuilder who I believe Shane McMahon had met at some point, and it impressed Shane the fact that when he walked through a door, he had to talk, turn sideways because he was, his shoulders were so broad. He looked like he was chiseled from stone. Uh, not a lot of athletic ability other than lifting a lot of weight to make his muscles look beautiful. Um, but a really nice guy and completely out of his league in, this. in the brawl for all. He was, I mean, unfortunately he was out of his league in the ring too. The The business was just not a good fit with Ockham, but he was in developmental and looking for something to do with him. And
1: so if he was in developmental, uh, who helped train him?
0: Uh, my brother Tom did.
1: Okay. Um, he is taking on Savio Vega and Savio Vega is maybe one of the unsung heroes of mid nineties, WWF. He consistently put on really, really good matches, uh, continues to do a good job and continue his wrestling legacy in Puerto Rico today. Catch everybody up. Uh, again, I don't know when we're going to tell many of these stories, but I know of one really good Savio Vega story that I w I would like to ask about, but maybe this isn't the time. Do you want to share anything about Savio now?
0: Well, Savio was a guy that had a lot of respect in the locker room and the guys looked at him as a tough guy and a stand up guy more than anything. But he just had a reputation as is a tough guy and, and a good guy. So he volunteered to be a part of it and willingly stepped up. Uh, What's your story?
1: Well, I I know now's not the time, but I really want to talk about the time he and Layfield were wrestling before a pay per view in September of uh-huh. ninety six, uh, in your house Mike. That's Games. another
0: story, yeah. Yeah,
1: ECW's in the front row. That that we gotta come back to at some point. Uh let's keep going though. The same. So all, night, t-
0: all the Twitter fans are gonna tweet us and say, Hey, tell us that story. I promise we're gonna get to it.
1: To uh to put this into perspective, we're talking about July sixth here. For those of you who are keeping up, July sixth, nineteen ninety eight is the night that Nitro emanated from the Georgia Dome and Goldberg unified the United States title and the world title by beating Hulk Hogan clean in the middle. Uh, So this is a big time in the company. If memory serves, this is also when uh, DX did the National Domination spoof. So that 7-6 episode, big night in wrestling. A name we don't hear very often, Darren Drozdorf also took on Road Warrior Hawk that night. These guys had in storyline had, um, some issues with the Legion of doom. And now we're going to put them in a match that you say was completely random. Uh, tell everybody, uh, something about draws because we probably should do that.
0: Well, draws was a football player. He was a nose tackle for the Denver Broncos and his claim to fame was puking on the football right before it was, um, Snapped. snapped. (laughs) <laughs> a couple times. He could puke on command. And if you ever saw the yes. movie Beyond the Mat, yes. and you see Vince in the in the office and he goes, We're
1: gonna call you. puke Come on, come on, do it. Puke, puke, puke.
0: Trying to get draws to puke. He's gonna on. he's gonna he, he's gonna
1: he's gonna he's gonna puke.
0: I love it. Yeah. Um but Vince is a big one for not overacting. And, um, so let me, well, yeah, that was a highlight, but Draz was a, was a football player, hell of an athlete and he was a part of it. He he came through our developmental territory and Tom Pritchard also trained him and, you know, probably could have done something if not for the unfortunate accident, uh, in a match with D Brown and Nassau Com- County Coliseum where they did a spot that they did every night, a running power bomb. And. Draws landed wrong on his neck, broke his neck, and you know has been paralyzed ever since. And it's a real sad story. And you know, I,
1: was Delo yeah, was, was Delo Brown's was Delo Brown's career ever the same?
0: I don't know that Delo was ever the same. Yeah, uh, I know that it. That's a a heavy thing to carry on you. Sure, and I know that Delo um, had a real hard time with it for a long time. Uh, and you, obviously draws is, is, lived with it through his life and, you know, is, is still doing his thing, man.
1: Very inspirational story. Shout out to draws cause
0: I'm sure he listens to our show.
1: Dr- uh, draws, uh, is a very inspirational story. He he's always loved hunting from what I understand. And he now yeah. has like an all terrain wheelchair so he can still yeah. hunt now, which really is just amazing. Um, so yeah, shout out to draws, um, you know, we don't want to dwell on the negative too much. Let's remember the good times. And, and this night, uh, he went to a draw with road warrior Hawk who would ultimately have to pull out. And so really draws is the guy who advances uh, road warrior Hawk at this point, this seems kind of out of character for him to do this. I know he's a badass, but it seems like, you know, based on just reputation, he would have the most to lose out of everybody. I think who was on the list. Uh, but at this point, was it kind of necessary to keep his job or is that unfair to say? Who's that? Hawk Hawk. It just felt like at the time there was a lot of other stuff going on that, um, maybe he felt a little pressure. I, I, you know, I don't know.
0: And you know what? I was extremely careful to let all these guys know that there was absolutely no pressure to be a part of this. And so there was no pressure from our end. Now, you know, Mike might've put pressure on himself. Sure. I, I would hope he didn't. Because you know, I had guys say yes that did back out. I had guys that say no that said no that later on came back into the deal. So, well, you can't do that. T-
1: tell us who said yes and then backed out.
0: Well, you know,
1: just do it. Come on, that's
0: what this well, is. No, it, it, it. You know, Shamrock initially agreed, but then okay. came back and and said, you know, why the hell am I doing this? And and I agreed with Ken. Sure, I, I agree with every reason that Ken. Didn't want to be in it. He had
1: nothing to gain.
0: He had zero to gain and everything to lose. Yes. And, you know, and if he won the damn thing, then really, what did he prove there too? And that was, that was my thing. It was like, he's, he's the world's most dangerous man. That's his gimmick. That's who he is. Let's keep that. I just, again, I, I get back into the why I hated the concept.
1: So give us another name. Who else said you not know, I, I
0: really don't know off the top of my head. You I bat- just remember that it happened.
1: You really don't? Uh, I you mean,
0: I really don't. But, right. you know, B- Blackman got hurt, dropped out later on. Um,
1: yeah, so let's, uh, let's keep going through round one. We've got Bart Gunn, uh, who I know we're going to talk about quite a lot. Um, he wins a decision against Bob Holly. In my head, Bob the Holly. The
0: only guy that Bart Gunn did not knock out.
1: Yeah. And he won a decision. Um, and, and Bob has always been presented as a badass. Do you have any fun Bob Holly stories?
0: <laughs> Bob Holly, the first time I met Bob Holly was in uh, the Snowball Derby uh, outside of Pensacola, Florida. And I'd gone down to shoot Sparky Plug Vignettes
1: oh my with god bob
0: hey my name is thurman plug my friends call me sparky that's stp sparky thurman plug and we had we had a blast but there was a point where bob lost a race or the guy bumped him i forget what it was bob jumps out of his car runs down the racetrack to go after the The guy that bumped him and got into a fight, and and that was my first introduction to Bob Holly, and I fell in love with him. Um, Stand up guy, you know. I think a lot of people portrayed Bob Holly as a bully. You disagree? Uh, Not totally. No, I think Bob Bob might have bullied people sometimes, but you know, Bob was Bob, and Bob was a tough guy, and. You know, he was one of the first ones to jump at the opportunity to to jump into this deal. And I'll I'll go back even, you know, then we'll we'll get into Bart Gunn because the very first night that we had the Brawl for All fights, Terry Funk came up to me and, of course, Terry was, you know, preaching to the choir. Richard, I I don't understand why you want to do this. These guys are going to get hurt. And there's one guy, there's one guy that's going to win this whole thing. It's that cowboy back there. Gun. he's going to win the whole damn thing. Before anybody threw a punch. Wow. Before a single takedown was done. Before wow. the bell rang for one fight, Terry Funk said Bart Gunn would beat everybody.
1: Where did that come from? Had they even worked together?
0: They had not, and it came it came from an old Texas cowboy in Terry Funk looking across the locker room at a raw boned badass in Bart Gunn. And Bart's got a big scar that goes across his belly and and Terry, you know, just kind of sized him up. He says, You look at the scars on that man. He's been through some tough things. And he just Terry just bart was a quiet very unassuming guy and terry just saw saw what was inside saw what a lot of people didn't
1: so um let's go back to bob holly just for a minute because i don't know when we talk about him again uh he beat the shit out of a kid on the new reality show tough enough and he's gotten a lot of uh stuff over the years uh because of it do you want to talk about that or address that at all
0: you know, I really, uh, I honestly don't remember it. It was Matt Capitelli. That's right, right. Um, I don't remember it. Well, so he, I he, here, here's a, I remember here's the a, incident, but I think it was one of those deals where the producers told him to do it, and, okay. and Bob kind of, you know, got uh, out of hand. I don't know though. I so to to comment on it, I don't really remember it. You'll have to show it to me one day, and
1: you just set the internet on fire uh, because why? that's what I hoped you would say. Because I had a suspicion that this was not necessarily the shoot that everybody thought it was. Um, Matt,
0: they wouldn't have aired it if it, Matt if it was Matt and Bob
1: knew what was going on, and maybe it just went a little far. I believe that. Okay.
0: That's what, if, if I was to make an educated guess, that's what I would say happened.
1: So there you go. Everybody who thinks that Bob Holly is a bully. Um, I don't
0: think, no, Bob wouldn't do that. Now, Bob may perpetrate that. Makes you think he was going to do that. Sure.
1: Well, it's good. It make, it's good for business, so to speak. Yeah.
0: But but Bob's not an asshole. He's really not.
1: Quebec or Pierre. Uh, taking on Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Um, you want to say anything here? Steve Williams <laughs> wins by TKO. I'm going to let you take it.
0: Well, you know, it, it was Dr. Death uh, finding a one-eyed man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Pierre uh, Carl Willette, he's only has one eye. The other eye is glass eye. He only has one eye. Now, you talk about a, an inspiration. This guy learned how to uh, throw and catch a baseball um, as a kid. Right. He's got great hand-eye coordination. So, and he would always throw that back at us. You know, he again, the things that he has done only having one eye are truly amazing. Right. And so he was he had no problem at all stepping into this and and doing it, but Dr. Death with his pedigree, you know, it it was what it was. Wasn't pretty.
1: Okay, um, the Godfather and Dan Severn. The Godfather is universally respected in the locker room, somebody who uh, carries a lot of weight. I think everybody listening knows that Dan Severn was a legit UFC badass. Tell everybody a little bit about Godfather, because some people just know him as Papa Shango or uh, whatever. Tell everybody a little bit about the real Papa, the real Charles Wright.
0: Bear, Charles Wright, um, one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, and a legit tough guy, bouncer, bouncer, um, tough guy. I don't know. He may have. So I, I don't know if Bear had any amateur training, but you're in there with a guy, Dan Severin, who has been in hundreds of these at that point, and – Dan was a master of takedowns. Dan was a hell of a wrestler in his day. And just, you know, that one wasn't pretty either.
1: He, uh, he played football. He was a famous, uh, famous for being a bouncer in uh, Las Vegas. You can still see him there now. He's still out there. He's a GM at Cheetahs. Uh, so go see him. Disco Inferno also works at a strip club in Las Vegas. So if you're a wrestling fan and you enjoy the ballet or the shoe show, uh, you got lots going on in Las Vegas. Uh, the other one is eight ball and Scorpio. Um, the Harris brothers may or may not own part of TNA now, but it, uh, tell everybody a little bit about eight ball. Uh, I think most everybody knows about Scorpio, but we should, we should touch on him too.
0: Well, uh, who the hell was eight ball? Was that Ronnie or Donnie? Uh, I believe They're interchangeable, and again, um, well,
1: they're identical twins. Who could tell them They
0: are. Far? They are, and both great. You know, the the bad thing about this tournament is everybody in it. You couldn't ask for a nicer bunch of guys, right? When you when you group the guys as far as okay, there wasn't one asshole in the bunch, right? So that that also kind of sucks because you, you had nobody to root for, really. Like, I hope that guy gets his dick knocked stiff. Um, it's, it, you know, you hate to see your friends fight, and that's what it was. But I don't, you know, again, those are, I try to forget the brawl for all sometimes. The majority of it, there are high spots I remember. Um,
1: well, let's refresh I, everybody's memory then. Let's go ahead and get into uh, the next round, round two. Mark Miro is now taking on... Bradshaw and Bradshaw had beat Henry O'Godwin. Mark Merrow actually loses to Steve Blackman, but Merrow advances because Blackman couldn't continue. Uh, right. Bradshaw wins that one, goes to the semifinals, uh, and he'll be facing the winner of Savio Vega, Darren drosdorf Drosdoff will go on to beat Vega by points. Uh, so that sets up the semis for the top of the bracket, which will be Bradshaw and Draws. Uh, Towards the bottom of the tier here, we see Bart Gunn, who won a decision over Bob Holly. Uh, He's moving forward against uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams. We're going to circle back to that one. Uh, And then Godfather uh, actually lost to Dan Severin. Severin withdrew from the competition, so Godfather advanced. So the integrity of this thing has already gone to hell. Uh, And Scorpio, who did win, is now taking on Godfather. So... Uh, and I forgot to mention a minute ago, there was a draw with Hawk and Drosdolf. Uh Hawk is not able to continue, I believe, because of injury. How do you remember that?
0: I think it was an injury. Yeah.
1: So Drozdoff of
0: course, got injured after it too. But.
1: Sure. So uh, Merrow and Bradshaw, uh, that one winds up in Bradshaw's uh, hat. Did you see that one coming? Uh, or did you think that Merrow would get beat twice here now, even though he was Golden Gloves? Well, that was a hotly disputed
0: finish. I think if, especially if you would have asked uh, Mark Merrill at the time, it was, we had judges, we had uh, Danny Hodge, who's respected old timer, great, probably one of the toughest all round wrestlers ever to lace up a pair of boots, the first wrestler ever to be on Sports Illustrated. And Danny Hodge was a wrestler and a boxer back in the day. Famous from for crushing Perry, apples from Perry, and Oklahoma.
1: wrenches and yeah. incredible hand strength, double tendons. Uh, Victor
0: Quinones was another judge, and Victor was a promoter out of Puerto Rico and also promoted in Japan. And we had them judging, okay? And they judge however many points for how however many punches were landed, and then you got so many points for
1: takedowns. Wasn't Gorilla Monsoon a judge, too?
0: He may have been, yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, so I guess we should, you know, I don't know that we necessarily talked about that, but each match is three one-minute rounds. So even though the UFC, it's five-minute rounds, that's not really what these guys were conditioned for. So it was three one-minute rounds. So if they went all three rounds without a knockout, uh, it would be a three-minute fight. Uh, And they're scoring based on uh, punches per round, a clean takedown, a knockdown, uh, or obviously a knockout would end it. Right. Uh, But those points were supposed to be most punches gets five points. A takedown gets five points. A knockdown gets 10. And, of course, if you knock him out, you win. Um, So now, you know, Mero has lost two in a row. Bradshaw's in the semifinals. He's taking on Draws, who beat um, uh, Savio Vega. Godfather gets the win over Scorpio. So even though Godfather lost to Severin, it's the ultimate comeback story for the Godfather, and he's going to advance and he takes on the winner of Bart Gunn and Steve Williams. And I want to talk about this because Bob Holly has come out, and I want you to poke holes in this, and said that uh, Dr. Death had already been paid the $100,000 prize money before he fought <laughs> Bart Gunn.
0: <laughs> Absolutely not true. Um, no truth to that whatsoever. Okay. that's not That's not to say that the boys didn't say that. That's probably not to say I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dr. Death said that. But that is absolutely 100% false and not true. So, And the, the story I remember from the whole Bart Gun Dr. Death match, Bart Gunn called me the week before the, the fight happened. And he said, I have a question for you. I said, yeah. He says, well, I know that this tournament, this whole brawl for all thing is meant is a launching pad for Dr. Death. Am I going to get in any trouble if I knock him out? Wow. and I laughed and I said, "Well, first of all, it's in the launching pad for anybody other than whoever
1: wins the damn thing." So you were still keeping kayfabe faeb within then. I'm
0: not keeping k That's what it was. So uh, you make it sound like I'm, I'm lying to him and I'm not. Well, I'm just I saying, strictly telling him whoever wins the wall, they walked through that wall right now. Well, no, one man's opinion. I'm just kidding. I'm just uh, well, okay, but but that's what everybody thinks. I know, and it's I know. just simply not true. So Bart calls me and says, Well, I get in trouble if I knock him out. And I laughed. And I said, No, you won't get in trouble at all. He says, Well, I know that, you know, it's JR's boy. I said, Well, how do you know that, you know? I said, Did anybody tell you that you were going over in your first fight? Well, no. I said, well, we didn't tell anybody else either, and I am telling you right now, and if you want to sit down with Vince and me and Jim Ross and Dr. Death and everybody in a room and say, hey, man, this is the deal. Go out and do everything you can to beat each other. We can do that. He says, no, I just want your assurance I'm not going to get in trouble when I knock him out. Bart's words. I said, I promise you, you will not get in trouble. And, of course, I hang up the phone, and I go in, and I, I let J.R. know. And J.R. laughed and, and thought that it was ridiculous that Bart would think that. Vince loved it, thought it was great, uh, wanted to see it, and we all saw it.
1: When when you guys were, um were, you know, these fights are happening, are you in the gorilla position when this is happening? Yes. Are you watching it on a headset? And if so, who is sitting beside you?
0: Well, I watched it on a monitor. I
1: listened to it on a headset. Come on, asshole. Who's sitting by you?
0: Um it could be any number of people, probably like Jerry Briscoe or whoever. I don't know. Are you getting any sort Vince.
1: of reaction from Vince?
0: Um for those? Was Vince doing commentary or
1: Well, here's the thing. If you don't remember, then that answers I don't. my question.
0: Yeah, no, Uh, I don't.
1: So Bart Gunn knocks out Steve Williams. I think he tears an ACL or MCL in the process. Oh, man, he tore his hamstring. Okay.
0: Doc tore his hamstring bad. And again, another reason why this was just an ill-conceived shit idea. Because you take a guy that we have signed to a contract for decent money, and you put him in a situation that's not controlled, and he's out for six months. Because somebody wanted to do something to shut up a wrestler who was a big mouth in the locker room. Oh God forbid. Somebody has a big mouth in the locker room. I know what we'll do. We'll put like however many guys in a tournament and let them beat the hell out of each other. And a bunch of people get hurt to it's Just stupid.
1: Anyway, go ahead. It's worth mentioning. Um, no, I, I like when you get on a rant here, it's worth mentioning that Savio Vega, after his loss here, he suffered an injury. He never wrestled neck injury, again. N- never wrestled not for, again. Not for, well, for WWF, he did wrestle again.
0: But not for him. But he was never the same again and and still to this day has neck issues.
1: Um he does ultimately um I, I don't remember. Clear this up. Does Dr. Death wrestle for you guys again? I know the next year yes. a, a year later he is yes. he's on WCW and they did the whole Oklahoma spoof. Um did everything just kind of go to hell in a handbasket after that?
0: Yeah, it just didn't, you know, it just didn't click, didn't work. Okay. And Doc was never the same after that injury. You know, you, you're built up to be this Superman, and in a shoot, you get knocked out. It, it just completely destroys that Superman persona because that's all people remember. Right. Now, keep in mind, anybody on any given day can get knocked out by pretty much anybody else you know, walking the earth. So, but people don't, you know, the armchair quarterbacks like to sit back and, oh, well, he's not so tough after all. But it didn't do a lot for the Dr. Death persona.
1: Um, so now we've got the semifinals. Bradshaw versus Drozdoff. Uh, Bradshaw wins, goes on to the main event, and he wins on points. Uh, Bart Gunn fights the Godfather. He knocks him out, too. So Bart Gunn now is on a little bit of a tear. He uh, beat Bob Holly by points. Then he knocks out Dr. Death. Now he knocks out The Godfather. So our main event is set, the finals. It's gonna be 8-24, August 24th is what we're looking at here. So this thing started about two months ago now because it started at the end of June. And Bart Gunn knocks out Bradshaw. And supposedly there's a legitimate payday for the boys. So I want you to kind of clear this up. the word is Bart Gunn got seventy five thousand for winning the tournament. Bradshaw got twenty five thousand. Is that the way you remember it?
0: Yes. And they each got I think it was five thousand if they won a match in the prelims in the fights coming up. Yeah, and, and the uh, other one got twenty five something like that. Uh,
1: so now when this is all done, let's talk about the aftermath. Uh, Mark Merrill wasn't with the company very very much longer. I think he was gone in about a year. Uh, Henry O. Godwin, kind of the same fate. Uh, Blackman was around, you know, for five more years, maybe. Uh, Brackus was gone pretty much in short order and uh, just disappeared. We know what happened with Draws. He was injured. Hawk wasn't around too much longer. He was gone. Um, Bob Holly was around forever. We're going to come back to Bart Gunn. Uh, Dr. Death, you said he wrestled again for you guys. What do you remember him doing and what led to his departure from the WWF?
0: Just not clicking. Just not really being, um, just not clicking with the audience. You know, when, unfortunately, sometimes what happens is, is if you are promo to death with a talent, um, or you promo a talent to death, it will come back to bite that talent in the rear end. So if there's anybody that, you know is is plugging for a, talent A so hard and then talent A comes in and stumbles on their way to the ring it gives 40 different people in the backstage area an excuse now say oh see he stumbled he's no good he's not what everybody said he was and i think that's what happened to doc right and it, it wasn't in my opinion i don't first of all i don't think it was a fair debut for him I don't think it was the right way to to showcase Dr. Death and when Doc came back later on I don't feel that he was portrayed in a light that would enable him to get over and connect with the audience.
1: So, let's
0: talk about it, it was uh, it was a false start when he came back and it just didn't work and I think the opportunity was for Doc to go back to Japan and do other things and let him go make the money.
1: And he went to WCW. Yes. So let's talk about, uh, an unintended consequence here. The goal certainly was to get the winner over as a huge star, not a huge star, but level him up, put some shine on him, give him some focus, give him some new legs, but I feel like Bradshaw comes out of this thing looking better than almost everybody else, even though he got knocked out in the finals, because he would be the guy who ultimately went on to be the WWF champion and that, or WWE champion that didn't happen. Well, with,
0: certainly wasn't because of the brawl for all, I guarantee
1: you. Well, my point is, um, you guys unceremoniously buried Bart Gunn and I can't wait to hear whose idea it was to put him in the ring with Butterbean the next year. So to recap, it's the end of August. I know you're making a weird face at me. It's the end of August. You wanted to get this guy over and make him somebody so you immediately coming out of this on the end of August start programming him against Bob Holly, who was now going by hardcore Holly, and um <laughs> they're, you know, having a feud about pushing each other off the stage and lots of craziness. It doesn't really ever go anywhere or do much. But then somehow several months later, oh, well, hell, he's a badass, let's let him fight Butterbean. Whose idea is this?
0: I think it was a culmination of a lot of people. Um, a, the gentleman who trained Mark Merrill, Mark Merrill's trainer, um, Ray something real nice guy from Buffalo, New York who saw something in Bart and felt that he could make a professional boxer out of Bart.
1: Uh, Ray, Ray Rinaldi is the name of Ray Rinaldi. Yes. Yeah.
0: um, Just a sweetheart of a guy. And the idea came up, well, is there somebody out there that, you know, Bart could could box um, in a feature? Who's a name? You know, obviously you're not going to put him against Mike Tyson or anybody like that because, you know, that wouldn't last five seconds instead of however many seconds the the other one lasted. 35. But, yeah, I was going to say 37. But – it was simply a case of, well, hell, the shoot aspect worked for Bart. Well, let's keep that same thing going. And it didn't, you know, it, to me, it was a failed experiment. You know, you win some, you lose some. Um, I've had plenty of them. But it just was a bad idea, and the <laughs> bad idea just kept getting worse. And we looked for a name. And we had done work with Butterbean and Butterbean's manager, Art Donovan, before. So uh, Ray knew Art, we knew Art, and the phone calls were made asking uh, Butterbean if he would be interested in doing the Brawl for All deal.
1: Can you freestyle what uh, his payday may have been for that? Who's? Butterbean's.
0: I haven't, God, I don't remember, man.
1: So you said who's, so that means you know Bart Gunn's. What did Bart Gunn get to fight Butterbean?
0: Oh, I don't know that either. Dude, it was WrestleMania. I don't well, know. No, I
1: just don't remember everybody's payoff. Well, I say who's payday. Uh, what was his payday? And you say who, and then you know well, neither guy. You said guy.
0: who? Pronouns, pal. Goddamn, pal. Pronouns.
1: Well, you knew neither one. So what did it matter which one I'm talking about? Well, okay. No, neither.
0: I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, folks, can you tell that we really and truly don't rehearse this stuff? Well, it's and better. We're freeform just talking about this on the air. So. It's good. I like it. I never know what Conrad's going to throw at me. <laughs> he never knows how the hell I'm going to answer. But it works somehow. That's yeah. why you get on Twitter and say, you forgot about on April 9th at 12.47 p.m. So I was said this. Okay, sorry.
1: Well, Blow yeah. We, uh, we freestyled it and we had a good time talking about the Brawl for All. Uh, one question that talk I guess... About, you
0: want to talk about the Butterbean fight?
1: Uh, yeah, I would love to. I, I feel like I feel like the Butterbean fight is really part of Brawl for All. I know it's not, but it's it's certainly it the cherry on top.
0: Uh, yeah, it is. It was just another ill-conceived idea, but Bart trained hard for it. And he, he went up and trained with Ray Rinaldi and, and busted his ass, really preparing for the fight. But Butterbean's a super heavyweight who gets doesn't get paid by the hour, gets paid to go out and knock guys out. And that's what Butterbean does and i know that a lot of people would consider butter being a sideshow but
1: he didn't look like he, one that day
0: uh yeah i've never seen him look like one in the ring i mean he's a tough son of a gun and bean even came to us and said hey you know what do you want me to do said,
1: whoa 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 so you're saying bean was willing to work a little bit
0: bean was willing to work we, I don't think I, I don't think Bean would have been willing to lose. <laughs> but Bean was willing to
1: work. And well, okay, this begs the, the question. Was, this, wh- what's that? Why don't y'all just pay him? Pay who? Butterbean. Bean to lose? To
0: Yeah. Because the idiotic idea of well, let's make it real. It'll mean something. No, it doesn't in a make believe world. You're right. You're right. Why not pay Bean to lose? I don't know the Bean would have agreed to lose, but
1: but you could have gotten somebody to agree yeah, to lose. Sure, exactly to build Bart. Yeah, I, I just don't get that. I mean, I know well there, it's, there, well, it's, there, there was
0: you're... so much, there was so much. Well, you know, wow, I didn't see that in Bart Gunn, and well, maybe he's the real deal. Maybe he, he can have a career in boxing. Maybe he could do this. Well, Butterbean and um, people thinking that Bean wasn't a. Uh, a legit boxer because all he did was tough man stuff. It's different. It's different when you box all the time and all you do is train to knock somebody's head off. It's different than when you do other things and you learn how to throw a few punches. I, I, I trained in karate and I was a decent point fighter when I was much, much, much younger and I hit hard. So the idea was, well, he hits hard, but I hit hard for a point fighter. So, so we'll try full contact. And I went and trained. And at the time, they were getting boxers involved. And the boxers, you only had to throw like 12 kicks, I think, per round. So the boxers would learn how to throw a roundhouse, throw their 12 kicks, and then just take your head off. Well, training with boxers for a few months, who all they do is punch your face in. I was like, forget this, man. <laughs> you know, this hurts. It's a completely different world when you're used to working and you're, think about the guys that he faced in the brawl for all. They weren't boxers. Right. Tough guys. But if anybody was a boxer, Marrow was. But right. But again, Marrow hadn't boxed in years. Right. And now you're facing a guy, that's all he does. It's
1: it's just interesting to me. This is a time where you guys are, you know, you have like the ministry of darkness and you're setting crosses on fire and you're kidnapping people and hitting them with cars on fire. Okay. Set a symbol on fire. Sorry. Um, but that that's okay. We got to make this real. And in the end real didn't work out for the WWF real didn't work out for Bart Gunn or anybody who was involved Uh, The only person who goes on to have considerable success with the WWE um, is Mr. Bradshaw. Anything else you want to mention on this? I guess the one thing I really want to ask is, man, why didn't you guys just shit can this idea like a weekend?
0: Oh, God, I would have loved to shit can it. It was horrible. Y'all didn't talk about that
1: ever. Like, let's just can it. Like this. Oh, man, I
0: got my ass chewed out so bad. that You know, this may be a reoccurring theme on the show about me getting my ass chewed out. I got my ass chewed out. So bad for being negative when presented the idea, I just kept my mouth shut from that point forward. Going, okay, I've stated my case. I've said it's a horrible idea. Um, I hate it. I'm on record. Everybody knows I hate it. Next.
1: So in the end, the um, events ever?
0: Come- in the end, Jr. and I had to deal with all the injuries, and and it costs a lot of money to the company having to pay for rehab and, and getting these guys taken care of and, and time off from work. So yeah, it costs us a lot of money. And J.R. and I are the ones that had to deal with the fallout.
1: But what was Vince saying in the meantime, like in between the, you know, week to week, you guys aren't doing all this in one night. It's a two month deal. Is Vince still, God damn pal, don't be negative. Or what's the deal in my head? He, he's got to be realistic with this.
0: Yeah, he's he's gonna defend the idea. Vince is gonna stay positive and defend the idea and try and convince everybody it's the right thing to do.
1: So right now, if we see through to the end. If we had Vince McMahon here, even though Cornette said it was a bad idea, Layfield said it was a bad idea Layfield Jim-
0: didn't say it was a bad idea. Who said that?
1: Well, I just assumed that he probably felt it was a bad idea.
0: I I don't think he cared. Okay. I think that the talent that were in it, I don't know that that many of them thought it was a horrible idea before it happened. Guys that weren't in it thought it was a terrible idea. I'd venture to say Austin probably thought it was a terrible idea. You know, those guys probably thought it was a terrible idea.
1: Well, so I'm asking, though, do you think if Vince was here right now, he would say it was a bad idea? Or do you think he would still defend it?
0: I think he'd say it was a bad idea. I think everyone involved would say it was a bad idea.
1: If you had it to do over again, would you book this same concept except work the whole thing?
0: Nope. Terrible concept.
1: Just wouldn't do it at all? Wouldn't do it at all. How's it any different? You know, one-minute rounds, three one-minute rounds, judges, blah, blah, blah. How's it any different if you work it than just working a wrestling match?
0: Because it just wasn't, it wasn't good. Yeah, you you want to watch, watch boxing or MMA? Go watch boxing and MMA
1: just so i'm clear you were involved in booking uh mayweather big show at wrestlemania right yeah i was and wwe did promote it was
0: a wrestling match
1: booker t did promote or not booker t uh mr t did fight roddy piper at wrestlemania right yes that was a work so why not do that
0: it wasn't a tournament and it didn't eat up a ton of television time and it was a huge television star in mr t
1: and these guys, uh, it's important to mention, there were chants during these contests. Uh, boring, and we want wrestling. Correct. And Vince still thought, "Gotta see it through, pal.
0: We were in it. Got to finish it.
1: Anything you want to say to put a bow on the Brawl for All as we kind of wrap things Worst up here? First
0: idea in wrestling. I just thought it was terrible. Uh, been on my soapbox. And again, for everybody that's going to go, oh yeah, what about this? Yes, I had a lot of terrible ideas, but this had to be the, the worst of of my, just, it was bad. It, there were just so many bad ramifications. I'm glad it's over. And uh, at least it gives us something to talk about today.
1: I, uh, I got to be honest. I did an interview with Vince Russo uh, last year for the Ric Flair show. Or I guess it was called Wood Nation at the time. And I had an opportunity to talk to Vince uh, before, during, and after the show. And I found Vince to be uh, not what everybody made him out to be. You were a lot easier on Vince Russo today than I expected. It seems like old-time wrestling guys, people who've been around the business a long time, really brutalize him. But in this instance, you're just saying it was a bad idea. You're not so much heaping it all on, Vin, uh, all on Vince Russo.
0: You can't. Vince McMahon approved it. Vince McMahon approved it. Look, here, here's the deal. For those who want to bitch about Russo killing the business and all the things, Vince approved it. Now, it, it's funny. Russo will go, okay, no, I I was responsible for this, that, and the other thing. But the bad idea, well, that was Vince McMahon. No. It was Vince McMahon the good and the bad. Vince McMahon was the filter. Vince McMahon is the, the end-all, be-all, the buck stops there. He's either going to approve it or not approve it. So it all it all comes down to the blame goes to Vince McMahon. It may have been Russo's idea, but Vince approved it and went with it.
1: Well, and we went with it this week. We talked about Brawl for All in more depth than anybody's ever going to cover. We got more than an hour today. Um,
0: Sorry about that.
1: All these matches combined, you could have watched in the amount of time we've spent talking on it. Uh, I would encourage you to do so, but it was all really bad, so I can't recommend it. <laughs> All right, Bruce. So uh, that kind of concludes our Brawl for All talk today. And if you have a hot topic for us, you need to be sure to follow us on Twitter. That's at Pritchard Show. We'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard.
0: John brings his skewed sense of humor Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round Together, it's
1: those weekend golf guys They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra effort? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10 What if I give you 15 to 20? Can <laughs> you pay me more? Jeff Smith teaches on a sliding scale
0: <laughs> Those weekend golf guys, the podcast Part of the Believe Network Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen